Let's start off in Matthew 28. We've been talking the last few, a couple of Wednesday nights, asking the question, what is faith? What is faith? We've been saying that the word believe is a verb. It's an action word, and it means to act upon the word, to take action upon the word. And this is all fresh in my mind now because in my annual Bible reading, I've come over into Luke, and I'm, we're going to get into this tonight. I'm, it's a little surprising because, you know, there's a little heat about teaching, taking action on the word. But when you actually read the Gospels, Jesus is talking about this all the time. So we'll get into it. So believing is acting on the word, and faith is the result of this action. Say it out loud. Believing, believing. is acting on the word, on the word. and faith, and faith. Is, the is the result of this action. And so when I was a young man, you know, I would fall prey to the trap. You know, Father, I need more faith. I just read that uh, this, this afternoon the, in Luke's gospel, the apostles, the disciples said, Lord, give us more faith. <laughs> and he immediately starts talking about sowing a seed. See, in other words, we want more faith because we're, we're convinced, right? If I just had the faith, man, I can believe God for this. I can believe God for that. But faith is the result of taking action on the word of God. You don't, you don't get faith and then take action on the word of God. So believing is acting on the word of God and the result of this action is faith. And that's why only taking action on the word of God builds faith. There's no other way to build faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But as we'll see from the words of Jesus, when you hear, you're not done. You have to do something about what you heard. And the opposite is also true. When we hear the word of God and we refuse to take action on it, it creates a hardness of heart. And I think that that's why sometimes there are people and, and they say the Lord doesn't talk to me anymore like he used to. The Lord doesn't, you know, I don't get any words from the Lord like I used to. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say, if you're not hearing from the Lord, go back and do the last thing he told you to do that you refused to do. And if you'll go back and do the last thing he told you to do that you refused to do, well, then he'll start speaking to you again. And uh, I know it can be unnerving, and I try not to do it too much, but I know it can be unnerving to people. The Lord said this, the Lord said that. But that's normal Christianity. You know, and, and I, I don't have the Holy Spirit uh, exclusively. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us. And he is our shepherd and he leads us and he guides us. But when we ignore him or when we ignore <clears throat> the written word of God, we harden our hearts. And I'm not saying he gives up on us, but if we didn't do the last 19 things that he led us to do, well, why would he come along with number 20? So Christians are always wanting to go to the next level, but the problem is they haven't obeyed God at the level they're at. And <laughs> my whole life, it would have been great, you know, if I could have uh, <laughs> had a great big package delivered or, but I, I have watched. I remember having lunch with a, a really nice man in Tulsa, Oklahoma once. And God really blessed that man. Astounding blessing. 
But it wasn't that many months later, he was wrecked. And so sometimes I, I tell Sue, you know, it's probably worked to my advantage that I didn't get a great big package of blessing all at one time. It's been progressive because I've seen too many, I've seen too many people wreck their lives when God blesses them too much. <laughs> and, and I'm not the judge of anything, but I do have eyes and I do have a brain that works. So I, I notice these things, amen. And so I, I told him years ago, it's fine with me. You know, don't give me anything more than you, you know you can trust me with because I don't want to end up on the ash heap of the ministry. Amen? amen? That pile's big enough. So if you don't obey God at the level you're at, how in the world can you expect God to help you get to the next level? All right, so let's talk about some words of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. There's nowhere in the New Testament, certainly nowhere in the words of Jesus, where we are told to go and make converts. Not one time. But he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to, what's that next word? Four-letter word nobody wants to mention in church anymore. Obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now we love that last clause and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. But is he if we don't teach? Is he if we don't make disciples and is he if we don't teach those disciples to obey? You know, I stumbled into it. I really did. <laughs> many, many, many years ago when we started these men's Bible study groups. We called them fire teams back then and uh, champion builder groups. And today is probably one of the very most important things that goes on in this church on a seven-day basis. And whenever I meet with the leaders, I always have to answer uh, discouragement. And it's a great thing for several reasons. One is that when a man is a champion builder group leader on a micro scale, he gets to face what I face. You know, people not showing up, people saying they're going to do one thing, doing another, uh, <laughs> commitments that aren't worth the, we, we would say in the world, the, the paper they're written on. Uh, uh, and then, uh, and then the, this happens, you know, somebody gets offended and then they, they talk to somebody else and then they get them offended. It doesn't have anything to do with the second person. Uh, but they get to experience that. But it also, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And, and the Bible says that we're to, to teach men and train them to where they're able to teach others. Find faithful men and train them so that they will be able to teach others. And so this, this is an ongoing process and it is so important. But you, you do understand, right, because I'm on this word obey, and while I'm talking to you, he's talking to me, that I'm, I'm hemming and hawing, deciding how to soften uh, what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. You see, because we just do the best we can to build men. But if a man is not willing to be a man, well, we can't do a whole lot about that. And it'd be interesting if I, if I, 
I, there's no way I could do it. The Holy Spirit could. You know, what has been the number one cause of people uh, being dissuaded and, and faltering? And number two, number three, number four. But up there pretty high is wives. Because sometimes when the guy gets turned on, let me give you an example. You have no idea who this is. Many, many years ago, I'm standing at the east door. I used to rotate at I-30. One week we would greet at the west door. One week we'd greet at the east door. Most people use the east door. But anyway, I was at the, most people use the west door. I was greeting after a service. Sue was with me. We're at the east door. And there was a guy, he was an electrician. And, you know, he, he's on his way out with his wife. And he says, he says, I got to tell you. He says, this is it. He said, you're the man, and this is it. And his wife said, we'll see. <laughs> and that was the last time I ever laid eyes on that man. And I've seen it years ago. Austin did his altar call at 11, and a teenage son of a man in the church. And, you know, sometimes you have to... Uh, I've been doing this so long, you understand, that sometimes people make a big noise and maybe you're impressed because they make a big noise and you think, why, well, pastor doesn't seem very impressed. Well, because I've noticed that the big noise a lot of times is followed by, you know, uh, failure. But anyway, so a guy may, you know, he was always, you know, he made a big noise about himself. But anyway, so his teenage son walked the aisle at the 11 o'clock service. And all things being considered as Bible-believing, evangelical, born-again people, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing, but that was the last time they were in this church. See, in other words, uh, a little bit of commitment is okay, but too much commitment, well, that's, that's problematic. It's interesting, isn't it? The safest thing, <clears throat> you know, we, we had praise reports from, I thought this was really great, after the last youth retreat, we had praise reports from adults on <clears throat> how their teenagers had changed and how the behavior of their teenagers had changed and, and how well-behaved their teenagers were. See, th this is the objective. And so <clears throat> you can't get too much God into the heart of a child. And you cannot get too much God into the heart of a man. But see, that's a problem for some women because they want to be his God. That's what the Holy Spirit said. They want to be his God. They, <laughs> you know, so and I have this running joke, 47 years and I still don't know bear. So, uh, but you know, a lot of women, that's the man, that's the whole objective, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna harness this guy and I'm gonna, I'm gonna break him and I'm gonna tame him. And uh, see, the problem is when God gets in the man's heart. Nearly everything we've done has been crazy. But see, I, man, I got equally yoked. I, I got a woman, she's not afraid, you know, and, and also she can pray. 
She can hear God. God's not going to tell me one thing and tell her something else. So, uh, teaching them to obey. So make disciples and then teach them to obey. That's, now, I didn't write this. Tell your neighbor, pastor didn't write this. This is Jesus. He said, go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey what they like. Teach them to obey the favorite parts. Is that what it says? No, teach them to obey what? How much of it? Everything. Luke eleven twenty seven. Luke eleven twenty seven twenty eight. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, "Blessed is this is so spiritual, you know. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you." He replied, "Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it." So, what does Jesus call someone who hears the word of God and obeys it? What does he call them? All right. So, what would be what could be a synonym for obey here? I'm, I'm saying a synonym for obey. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. What, what, could we, what word could we put there and not do injustice to the words of Jesus? Blessed, is the, blessed are those who hear the word of God and what? Do it. See? And do it is take action, isn't it? John 14, 15. John 14, 15. Oh, you know, the lovey-doveys. Here we come. Here we come. Uh, pastor's going to get all lovey-dovey on you right here, but it's not going to be so lovey-dovey. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. This caught my attention very, very early because, you know, I was, I was, I was bombarded with people talking about how much they love the Lord, but they were doing everything but the word. It's amazing. So this is Jesus. I didn't write this. I didn't put this in your Bible last night. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And when I say these things, I'm not trying to be cute or trite, but this is a huge advantage Sue and I had. Huge, monstrous, gargantuan. We love the Lord. So... This whole thing of it being a big pain in the backside, I don't understand that. Uh, you know, it's too hard to serve the Lord, too hard to live for the Lord. It's too hard to do all this. I, I, I completely don't relate to any of that because we love the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We, we never really sought stuff I know you find that hard to believe. I'm sitting at Steak and Ale up there by Six Flags. Uh, and, and you understand over the years, 39 years now, 39 and a half years, we've seen all kinds of multi-levels come and go. Same restaurant where later, it was later the pastor of the biggest full gospel church in Tarrant County wanted to sign me up for a multi-level for... Was it, what do they call those, spanks? I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine, here's a, a tongue-talking full gospel minister, and he's trying to, to sign me up into this full gospel. Can you imagine? He, he said, he said, and I quote, word for word, this is what he said. He said, brother, you can make a lot of money with this. 
But can you imagine, we would not be here if I had gone down that road and signed, and who would I sign up to sell women spanks? I guess women, and then that you got a whole nother batch of trouble, you know. And then, and you can imagine, you come to church to worship God, Almighty God, and to hear the Word of God. You don't come to church to be bombarded with the sales pitch. But anyway, uh, a couple of years before that, Pastor pitched me on that. These two men in the church were doing this uh, multi level, it wasn't really a multi level as much as it was a scam. It was a multi level too, though. It was, uh, they were supposedly, they were supposedly doing some kind of exchange on pesos and tr making money. And so anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there, these two guys across from me in a booth at Steak and Ale up by Six Flags, and, and, and they said, they said, Pastor, uh, we want you to endorse what we're doing. I said, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I've never done that. I'm not going to do that. And both of them slid an envelope across the table with $10,000. And, and $10,000, I, I, I don't want to be offensive, but $10,000 in 2023 is not much compared to $10,000 in the 1990s. And they both slid uh, envelopes with $10,000. So th and they said, well, you don't even have to endorse what we're doing. You just have to not disagree with us when we tell people that you endorsed what we're doing. You know, the temptations are not always sexual. A lot of the temptations are monetary. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And my God, $20,000 would have made a heck of a difference back then. But I don't believe I'd be standing here tonight if I had done that. And at that point, I have to say, I don't even think I understood really who I was serving. But today... I understand who I'm serving, and I would find it humorous. Now, back then, I didn't find it humorous. I was like sober, like, nope, I'm not going to do that. But today, I would find it humorous because for my daddy, that's nothing. Amen. I mean, he could sneeze and come up with 10 times that. John 14, 23, and 24. John 14, 23, and 24, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Same thing he said in verse 15. My father will love him. Now see, we don't want to deal with the reality of what we read. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. But that's all based on what? Predicated on what? Talk to me. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him is predicated on what? On obeying the teachings of Jesus. He who does not love me. So let's, he turned that coin over. We don't have to turn the coin over. He did it for us. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. John 15 verse 10. John 15 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. All right. I learned from one of my fathers in the faith, Dr. Frederick Casey Price, 
that when the word says something, to ask yourself, what is the word not saying? So if Jesus says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, well, what's he not saying? If you don't obey my commands, you will what? Not remain. Now, see, it's not that he stops loving us, but it's just that we chose not to remain. It's like that hotel when we were in seminary students. Sue just wanted to go swimming. And so she went, there was a holiday in on I-35, you know, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go. Okay, we know, women. And so we go over there and we, we check in. And uh, I mean, I got in the room and I told her. I mean, I, I was 22 years old maybe. I had nothing. My net worth would have been zero. But I told her, I can't stay here. At least I knew that. At least I knew that. And then she, she agreed with me. And then we went, we went back to our little apartment. But that was the Taj Mahal compared to that place we stayed in Roswell, New Mexico. When we were on a Harley. We were on a Harley so many hours. We were falling asleep, sun going down. And we stopped Roswell, Roswell New Mexico. That was the god-awfulest place I've ever stayed at in my entire life. <laughs> but you know, when you're, on a, when you're on a bike and you're tired, you, it doesn't really much matter. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So is he really asking us to do anything he didn't do? See, he obeyed his Father's commands. He abided in his Father's love. Uh, all this ex is explained so wonderfully in Luke 6, 46. Let's go there, Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? But I've been doing this 50 years, and I don't know how many months, 50 years since five, five months, and this is normal, to call him Lord, Lord, but don't do what he says. You know, I got, I got people trying to hurt me right now, and Jesus, my Lord, said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How can somebody be a preacher of the gospel and in the same Bible, I mean, unless they're even, I think even a Roman Catholic Bible has that verse in it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How, how can you say you're a believer, but you're doing the opposite of what Jesus taught? How is that even possible? But it, it happens. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what... He is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Say it out loud. Puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one, verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. Now, let me ask you. Here you are. You know, you're here on this Wednesday night in spite of whatever else is going on on this Wednesday night, how could you mess this up? He gives you the dichotomy between puts them into practice and does not put them into practice. Puts the words of Jesus into practice versus does not put the words of Jesus into practice. Now listen, probably everybody here tonight's got some modern car. 
And probably everybody here tonight at some point has wondered what the heck is going on? How do I turn that off? How do I get that to stop making that noise or whatever? And so now you can go to the owner's manual a lot of times online or on the screen. But my point is when, when you are at the end of your wits, what do you always refer to? The owner's manual. But people don't do that. They don't do that with marriage. They, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't do that with their children. I don't know what to do. Well, how about read the Bible? You know, I don't know what to do. So, and it's, it's amazing the extreme things people will do that don't make any sense at all. But they don't go to the owner's manual. And that's the way I've always seen the Bible. I've seen it that way from, for decades, that it's the owner's manual. If I don't know what to do, I go to the Bible. If I don't know how to handle something, if I don't know how to be a husband, if I don't know how to be a father, if I don't know how to... Why do we do what we do at Faith Christian Center? Why, why, do we want to, why do we want people to be members of the church for X long before they can volunteer? Why, why, do we, uh, why do we get information on the people that minister among our children? Why do we do these things that we do? Because the Apostle Paul said, know them that labor among you. So in other words, we're just going by what? We're just going by the instruction manual. It reminds me of the verse, <laughs> many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. So we're looking for the faithful. I remember a guy many, many years ago, he was okay on the keyboard. He was nothing special. I mean, really, I felt like telling him, you ain't that good to begin with. But anyway, so he was, he was okay on the keyboard, but he was nothing special. But he, he didn't understand why we had rehearsal. Kind of self-explanatory, dude. You know, in other words, if we don't have rehearsal, well, Sunday's going to be a mess. But he, he, oh, I'll play, but I'm not coming to rehearsal. But see, we've always tried to do what the Bible said, uh, and we're looking for the faithful man. And we get, we get better results, actually, with, faith, with, with the faithful than somebody who's unfaithful. And maybe they got a little more talent. But if they're unfaithful, what good does it do you? And I'll bet there's women here tonight that, you know, you married a package. You know, he had the abs and everything. But, you know, if he's not a faithful man, what good, what good does it do? Are you married? Some guys here tonight, probably, I'm sure there are. You know, you married a hottie. But if she's not faithful, what good is it? So, faithful. And out of everybody that lived in over 6,000 years of human history, who is the most faithful of all? Talk to me. Who is the most faithful of all? The Lord Jesus. And now that I'm in the Gospels and my annual Bible reading, I'm hearing him, I'm reading where he said that when a, when a student is fully trained, he'll be like his master. And so if we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be faithful. We shouldn't be unfaithful. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And so we don't, we don't want to have that attitude like so many do, and that is that 
is some kind of a pain to serve God. And I, I warn you <coughs> that we are right now in the winnowing of Matthew 24. He specifically taught that before the end that the wheat and the weeds, the wheat and the tares would be separated and he specifically taught that the tares, the weeds would be identified first and that's what we've been living in for years now. It's one personality cult after another it's one lie to believe after another and it's a winnowing we're in the winnowing right here right now and we're in the days where Jesus said when the son of man returns will he find faith on the earth and we're in the days where Jesus said He who remains faithful to the end shall be saved. And that's why we're adamant. That's why we don't knuckle. That's why we don't bend. That's why we don't bow. That's why we don't yield. That's why we don't knuckle under. And, you know, whatever cult they're rolling out, we're just not going for it. Just not going for it. We look to him. Like Jehoshaphat said, King Jehoshaphat, our eyes are on you. Hallelujah. We look up, we say, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But we're not looking to some man to save us. Whatever lie they're rolling out next week, we're not going for it. Amen. And, and have you noticed the lies just get crazier and crazier? The first one that came along that... It was, to me, it was easy to identify as that's not a baby. You know, they would have you believe that it's a clump of cells until it comes through uh, the birth canal. That, that before that, just moments before that, it's not a baby. And yet, we know the heartbeats sit along about week six. Well, if it's, not, if it's not a baby, how's the heart beating? They can declare you dead based on brain waves, but why isn't the baby in the womb considered alive when it has brain waves? Amen. See, these are lies, but you know, people just subscribe to them. And then the next one came along that was easily identifiable was they're born that way. And so... You know, they just roll out one lie after the other. And they, the lies are getting more outrageous. And they defy common sense. But you've got segments of the church going for this, going for that. And I, I know, I do. I'm a smart guy. I realize people probably think, you know, he old, you know, he old fashioned, you know, he old school, whatever. But... I want to be successful as, as much as anybody else, but I'm not going to sacrifice my salvation to be successful. And I'm not going to peddle lies, not for any amount of money. See, I'm the same guy. Actually, I'm the same guy 
but crustier <laughs> than that, that guy that refused that 20 grand all those back all those years back when 20 grand would have made an impact on us. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. We didn't take their PPP money. Amen. I'm not I'm not selling drugs and getting money from the government for doing it. I'm not killing God's people and getting money from the government for doing it. I'm not doing any of it. Amen. I'm just going to stand and declare his word and stay true. And when I hear Gabriel blow, blow that trumpet, it's all somebody else's problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we will not care what happens after that. Amen. Amen. We'll be with Daddy. 1 Corinthians 2.9, King James says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, that love him, that love him. These names don't mean anything to you, but, you know, Sue and I were never in the Jesus movement, but we were at the perimeter of it. And there was a place out in East Texas called Agape Force Ranch, and they discipled young people. And I remember being out there once, and I, I, can, I can still see standing there uh, because they had to do manual labor and pay their own way, and then they were discipled. But I was standing there talking to a preacher from New Zealand, Winky Prattney, and the famous singer, Keith Green, and, and actually probably a more famous singer, Barry McGuire, uh, and they were Jesus people. They loved Jesus. I mean, Barry McGuire did Eve of Destruction. He was, he was monstrous. Yeah, he left it. He left, he left behind what preachers today chase after. He left fame and fortune behind to sing for Jesus. Keith Green did the same thing. You know, when we went up, spoke, Sue and I, spoke, Sue and, I and Kenneth Copeland did uh, Kathy Mink's memorial service. I pointed that out, that Len Mink, I don't even, was he 20 years old or so when he had a nationally syndicated television show? Unbelievable success and fame. And Kathy was a runway model in New York. And, uh, but he was on the brink of committing suicide. He had a shotgun. Uh, he put it under his chin. He had his hand on the trigger. He was going to end it. And uh, he cried out to God, God, if you're alive, let me know it. There's a knock on the door. And uh, he gets up. It's Kathy. And she said, Len, I found what we've been looking for. And he said, what's that? She said, I found Jesus. And he said, where'd you find Jesus? She said, at Barney's hamburger stand. <laughs> and uh, it was like, it's like dominoes. Their TV producer was a man named uh, Ken Bagwell. He got saved. He, be, he, he pioneered Teen Challenge in Cincinnati. I mean... But they, they, they left it behind what preachers are seeking today. They left behind the fame 
and the notoriety, the riches, they left it behind. Len's first gig, how's this for starting out? His first gig was leading songs for Catherine Kuhlman. Yeah, buddy. I don't care what everybody says. That's a promotion. Hallelujah. But they love Jesus. That's what's missing. You want to know what's missing? That's what's missing. Yeah, that's what's missing. And that's the advantage Sue and I always had. We, had, we never had any problem with any of the commands or any of it, giving, honoring God with our money because we love the Lord. Now, last Wednesday, I gave you, I explained to you how Isaiah 119 works, that if, if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. It, he says in the Living Bible, if you, will only, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. Let's go to Proverbs 8 and wrap it up. Wisdom is calling out. And wisdom is calling out in every day, in every generation, in every age. Proverbs 8, 1, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights along the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city at the entrances. She cries aloud. To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy, say, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Faultless. The word, say it out loud. The word of God is faultless. It's without fault. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I always tell my family, huh? I always tell my son and my daughter, if you ever think of me, Open your mouth and confess out loud. He has the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. There's nothing more valuable than that. Lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God, for giving me the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. See, wisdom is knowing what to do. The wisdom of God is knowing what God would do. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and destruction. Excuse me, I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Now, how many churches do you think that got preached in this past uh, month, in October 2023, that to fear the Lord is to hate evil? Well, we're not supposed to hate evil. You know, we're supposed to placate it. We're supposed to negotiate with it. We're supposed to suck up to it. Oh, no. To fear the Lord is what? To hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. If you make laws that are just by wisdom, who's making these laws we got now? <laughs> by me, princes govern and all nobles rule who rule on earth. Now here it is, verse 17. I love those who love me. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. 
Doesn't that sound like what Jesus said? Ask, seek, knock. Remember that? I love those who love me and those who seek me find me with me. Now, when, when I say wisdom is calling out, who is wisdom? I mean, if there's a personification of wisdom, who is wisdom? God. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold, and what I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. And look at verse 21. Bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So, not short-term, but long-term, what could we possibly give up? Seeking wisdom and the source of wisdom. Long-term. I mean, if we're, we're, we're going by a week or a month, it, it could cost us something. But long-term, it's impossible. It's impossible to go backwards. It's impossible. It's impossible. And I need to quit, but I'm going to tell you this. If you want to change your life, stop making short-term, short, stop making decisions based on short-term circumstances. And I'm going to tell you something else too. That when you face the decisions of life, it may not be 100%, but it's most certainly close to 100%. The easy choice is the wrong one. The easy choice is the wrong one. And people want to do what's easy. And that's true all the time. It's true, it's true in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm always having to, to you know, bring myself under subjection because I want to do what's easy. You know, I'm out there this morning. It was the first time, I mean, I noticed it was, it was, it was cold enough, I was cold. And, you know, after a half hour, I wanted to quit. And I just press on. After an hour, I want to quit. And I, I cheat myself. You know how I do it? I think, about, I think to myself, uh, if I finish this, then I'll have breakfast. And I want to have breakfast, so I finish Amen, I put that carrot out there. People make their decisions based on short-term thinking. And I don't know why people keep testing me on this. Tell your neighbor, we need to pray that people will stop testing him on this. It wasn't but a fortnight ago. I stood here and I said, you'll never, stand, you'll, never, you'll never attend another church like this where every decision is made for the sake of your children and your grandchildren. But here comes somebody testing me on it. And it didn't turn out well for them because we're going to do what's best for the children. Yeah, but somebody's going to quit. We're going to do what's best for the children. Yeah, but somebody's going to leave. We're going to do what's best for the children. Yeah, but somebody's going to leave mad. We're going to do what's best for the children. Yeah, but somebody's going to leave mad and they're going to tell everybody else, we're going to do what's best for the children. There's no point in testing me on it.
I'm like, I'm like uh, my elder brother. You fall on me and you're broken, or I fall on you and you're crushed. But I'm not changing. We do what's best for the children. 24-7, 365, without exception. We do what's best for the children. Yeah, Jesus took them up in his arms. He said, don't refuse them. Because the disciples, you know, they didn't want Jesus to be bothered with his children. Don't refuse them. And he took them up in his arms and he blessed them. And then he taught this, that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be like them. That sweetness, that faith, joy, be like a child, have faith like a child. Amen. There's nothing sweeter on this planet than hearing a child pray. You know, just today, hearing a child pray over a meal, there's nothing like it. And we protect them. Amen. And in this, we're doers of the word. See, we're not putting money first. We're not putting success first. We're not putting uh, our personal aspirations first. We're putting his people first. He said, guard the flock of God over which he has made you overseers. He didn't say, sell them spanks <laughs> or uh, whatever else, you know, is going on at the current time. No, no, don't. he didn't say take advantage of them, did he? He didn't say use them, did he? He said, guard them and protect them. You know why? Because you all belong to God. You don't belong to me. You, you, you say, well, I'm a member here. I understand that. But, but you belong to God. And uh, you're my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And so we don't use people. We don't abuse people. Uh, we don't try and make money off them. Yeah, but you got that cafe out there. You know what Jesus said about, you know, overturning the tables and all of that, the money changers. Look, if that cafe makes $5 in 2023, I'm going to be thrilled. <laughs> so, you know, our only objective is to break even. It's like when we do married couples retreats or ladies retreats or uh, power lunch or Father's Day guys night out. If we, if we break even, I'm thrilled. That's our, that's our objective. We're not trying to make money on any of it. God's plan for the church is not chicken dinners and all of that. It's tithes and offerings. Amen. And I stand with him. And so far, you have done one heck of a bang-up job. And I'm very grateful. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.